I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome to the Growth Vault Podcast. Josh here. Hope you're doing good. Today, I want to talk about marketing and give you some good reminders. Maybe you've never thought of some of these things before. In my mind, some of them are kind of simple, but you know, more than once this week, it came up. Uh, some of these things that we're going to discuss. And it has to do with just paying attention to the nuance, right? So with marketing, I think probably because you're super busy and you're stressed out and you're running around and maybe you're so busy your head's about to fall off and that's awesome. Uh, or maybe you need to pack some more revenue onto the schedule. It can cause anxiety. And one of the reasons is because marketing for a lot of small businesses is not something that they do very often. It's not something that they think about all the time. They think about it when they need money, when the schedule is not full, and then they freak out because the pressure is really, really high for them to produce this result. And then they get discouraged if they don't get the result. And honestly, I should make a bunch of different episodes about this because we could talk for hours about all the mental stuff that's going on with people. Um, Because one of the main reasons people fail with any kind of marketing is because they don't have marketing stamina. You know, they'll try something, they'll do something. A big one that people like to mess around with is EDDM. It's every door direct mail. For a lot of companies, it works uh, pretty good. For some companies, it works really good. But for the vast majority of people, it doesn't work. But it's not because every door direct mail can't work. Of course it can work. Any type of marketing can work. You know, I'm not sure if phone book yellow pages could work, <laughs> but, but most anything can work if you have marketing stamina, if you'll pay your dues and actually pay attention to the nuance. So what do I mean by the nuance? Well, we get in ruts and sometimes when you're a really small company, we overdo it in terms of trying to sound big and corporate and shiny, right? So maybe you'll have like a a follow-up email. You give someone an estimate and the follow-up email that goes out to that person, you know, to try to close the deal might sound way too corporate. In fact, this is super, super common. So you'll have a follow-up email. It's like, dear Mr. Prospect, you know, we value our customer service over here at ABC Service Company and we take great pride with our 100% satisfaction money-back guarantee. We will delight you or your money back. And we say these things trying to sound like some huge company and we go too far with it when really uh, doing the opposite works a lot better most of the time. Um, A couple times this week, I was working with some uh, clients in the Conquer program that wanted to review and refine their their email follow-up sequences for people that they gave estimates to. And this is a really powerful thing. A lot of companies don't have any follow-up sequence. If if you're using a software program that offers that, and you're not leveraging that, that's, it's crazy because it's like a, a salesperson working for you in the background all the time. But when you're building your follow-up sequence, right, you give someone an estimate, they don't book the work right then, you still can close them. You're going to close a huge percentage of them over time if you follow up correctly. However, you don't want to sound too corporate. Here's some tips for email follow-up sequences to start with. Uh, number one, you want to sound like a human. 
you want to remember that you're a human and they're a human and you're just two humans talking to each other. <laughs> so you don't have to sound like AT&T or sound like some huge corporation. Sound like a person. The other tip is to remember that with, um, with emails, uh, don't explain everything in the subject line. So if every follow-up subject line says, you know, following up on your cleaning estimate, then the, the people, they know what's in the email and they're less likely to open it. So the subject line of an email needs to be rooted in curiosity because people are super busy. I mean, think about it. Think about how busy I am. I get so many emails. I have like six different email addresses all on my iPhone and I'll open it up after a few hours and have 25 emails. And I make, I use microseconds to make decisions on emails. I just go, I just swipe, 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 super, super fast. So all the really obvious ones that I feel like I know what they're, they're all about, like, oh, that's spam. Oh, that's from, you know, the local store. Oh, that's this, that's that. I just delete, 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 delete. But every once in a while, you'll kind of stop and hit the brakes and you'll click one. And then you maybe still delete it, but at least you opened it. And that's the name of the game with email is getting an open. Technically, whatever you say in the email doesn't matter at all unless they open it. So how do you do a curiosity-based subject line? Well, you can't give them all the goods. There's lots of different hacks and tips. I should have took notes and prepared for that (laughs) specifically, but um, here's a couple good ones. So uh, use their first name in the subject line if you have a merge field in the software that you're using, right? Um, So you can just say, you know, you know, hey, John, or you can say, you know, quick question, dot, dot, dot. Or you can say capital R, capital E, colon, and then type something that's curiosity-based. So it looks like the, it's a reply thread that they had replied to you previously, even though they had another strategy is to use forward. So just type in the subject line a capital FWD colon, and then type something. Um, another thing is to ask a question. I think I already said that. And just, just think through. And by the way, um, coming up with ideas for this, if you go to the Growth Vault, the Facebook group that we have, and just throw it out there, I'm sure you'll get really lots and lots of interesting responses. Now, when it comes to the body of the email, formatting is going to be huge. So people are reading emails on their phones, and this is what I mean by the nuance. You know, we think we're doing it, but we got to slow down and look at the nuance. We got to go that extra 10% creatively, that extra 10% creative mile to to, in, to triple the results that you get from something like this. So lots of spacing, you know, one short sentence, enter, enter, you know, put, put double spacing between everything, keep the sentences short, use emojis, use bold if you need to, or underline, use bullet points if you're, if you're explaining something that's detailed, but keep it super, super lightweight to consume for the person that's getting it. Um, I'm a big fan of using PSs. So at the bottom of the email, you throw a PS, use humor, and also make sure that a good chunk of your follow-up emails are very, very short with no email signature. So one of the reasons people don't get a lot of replies on their email follow-ups is because they don't ask the person any questions. The other reason is because the person doesn't feel bad not replying because it's just a company sending them some form letter. And if that's what your emails feel like, you're going to get way less replies. However, what if you sent a single sentence email that said, hey, John, um, um, did you decide to go with another company or are we, is, is uh, the cleaning service you asked us to quote for you still an option? Question mark. 
and then enter, enter, and then just put dash Josh. No, who, what company I'm with, no phone number, no links to social media, none of that. Because then it feels to them like I took the time to send that one person a single email. And so if you mix in two or three or four or five of those throughout your sequence, uh, basically human nature says a lot more people are going to reply because they feel bad. They, they want to let you know. And the other nuance to pay attention to with a follow-up sequence is that um, the goal with any of your prospects is to get a yes or a no. It doesn't matter if they say no. We just need to know if it's a yes or a no. The worst uh, state that <laughs> they can be in is is you don't know. They didn't reply. You can't get a hold of them, right? Uh, also mix in text messages and voicemail bombs if, if you have the ability to do that. But my main point is pay attention to the nuance. Another example I'll give you to give you some ideas has to do with the way that you explain your services. So um, I think I've shared on the podcast in the past how there is this beer company that was failing. I want to say it was Sam Adams. I'm going to butcher the story, but the principle stands on its own anyway, so that's okay. But they weren't selling enough beer. They're in trouble, and they hired this marketing company to come in and come up with some angle, some strategy to get them to sell more beer. And long story short, the marketing executives were touring the, the plant where they, they make the beer. And as they're going through it, the CEO is explaining, you know, this is where we, you know, have our organic hops and this is where we distill the thing and do all the stuff. And this is where the yeast does the whatever. And this is where we use our proprietary process to bottle it so that it does this and this and this. And he's explaining it to this marketer guy. And the marketer says, I've got it. We just need to tell your customers how you make the beer. And the same is true with service companies. It's the way... It's the way that you explain what you do that will give it so much more perceived value, so much more power, and will separate you from the competition. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you're a window cleaning company. It's a pretty simple service, right? You know, <laughs> homeless people will clean the windows on your car for spare change, right? So people don't view window cleaning as like some sophisticated thing because it's really not. But you can still explain it in a way and use language using the principle of show them how you make the beer to crush your local competition. You know, company A goes out, gives a quote to a homeowner, says window cleaning, inside and out, $300. Then your company goes out, and where's the nuance? What are the little things that when you stack them all together, separate you from this other company by five miles? And by the way, just to, to rabbit trail, this goes to the way that you answer the phone, the voice inflection that you have, the enthusiasm that you have, how quickly you get a sales rep out there to get them pricing if you're doing in-person quotes, or how quickly you can get the quote to them if it's over the phone. Either way, you want to constantly exceed expectations. The literature, how good is the design, how good is your sales sheet, how good are all the images and all the stuff. But anyway, so company A says $300 window cleaning in and out. Your company comes in, and you're going to basically do the same thing, window cleaning, right? But you're going to explain the process more articulately. And so you're basically going to say, um, all right, Mrs. Jones, we're going to give you our luxury window cleaning package. What that includes is all of your exterior windows cleaned, even the basement windows that you have on the back of the house. Secondly, we're going to do all of your interior windows. But the first thing we do before we do that is we lay down towels along all the windowsills. We wear booties on our shoes to make sure that, you know, nothing gets tracked under your carpet. 
and we work in teams of two, you know, for safety reasons. And also, so we have two sets of eyeballs on every single window to your house. After we're done with that, we wipe all the sills and we do this and that and the other thing and blah, 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 blah. And essentially, you're just doing window cleaning in and out. You're doing the thing you would already do, but you need to take your process, take what you're already doing and articulate that piece by piece by piece to create and build this perceived value. Most people don't, don't do this. And so it's, it's a way to charge more money, but still close the job every time because we all know um, perception is everything, right? So if they perceive the $300 guy as just a guy, but they perceive you as a company that should cost $700 because they're almost scared to get the estimate from you because you were super professional. You had tons of Google reviews. You showed up in a lettered truck and uniformed. You did a full walk around. You smiled. You were never pushy. You gave them beautiful, beautiful literature. You broke it down line by line by line. You told them what they, what services they did not need, which is another part of the sales process. Always tell people what they don't need as a, as a tactic to build trust with them. And then you tell them what you recommend and then you break it down step by step by step by step and you circle it. Let me know if you have any questions. Now in their head, they're like, crap, this is going to be really expensive, but you're only $450. What you've done is you've created this huge value gap in the customer's brain because you paid attention to the nuance. And just to kind of land the plane that goes for the way that you handle email follow-ups, being clever, being creative, make sure you ask lots of questions in your follow-ups. Have lots of your follow-ups be super short so that they feel like a human being sent them a single message and is expecting a reply, and you'll see a huge difference. You'll make more money, and then you can buy more jet skis, which is, isn't that what this is all about at the end of the day is buying more jet skis? So pay attention to the nuance. Go the extra, uh, you know, the extra 10% of the creative mile after you do all the hard work of building a sequence, which is a nightmare, and it's not fun to do that. After you get it, don't say, oh, it's done. Revisit it two days later and simplify it. Shorten it up. Make a more curiosity-based subject line. Make sure you have lots of questions being asked. Have a couple emails where there's no signature line. It's not professional. It's just a single sentence and then your first name at the bottom of it. Mix those in and you will stand out. And when you're doing sales, uh, tell the people how you make the beer, so to speak. So I have lots more marketing tips for you <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. Uh, the reason I did this is I know with the summer slowdown, um, this is a time of year when people are starting to think about that. Now, COVID has made things a little different, uh, but for a lot of people, that's still the case. So I love all of you. Don't forget to join the Facebook group, The Growth Vault. And by the way, don't just join it, engage in it, ask questions. There's no dumb questions. There's no bad questions. People will help you in there. It's a positive group. And that's it. I'll see you on the other side. Take care. God bless. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.